listening to the All Things Geekery podcast. This is episode two of season four, and this one's called The Overhaul. I'm your host, Detached. Hey guys, and I'm Victus. Well, welcome back, everyone. We're so glad you're here. We are only a few weeks away from our four-year anniversary of the show. And whether you guys have been with us from the start of the show or you have just found us, we want to thank you guys for stopping by, joining us, and we hope you guys enjoy this episode. In this episode, we talk about the confirmation, finally, from Bioware that they will be hitting the big old redo button on some major aspects of Anthem. Next, we'll talk about the latest game to move game to movie adaptation starring everyone's favorite blue hedgehog. And finally, we'll finish out this episode talking about something of the phone concepts that have come back from the dead regarding smartphones. Lip phones. No joke. Say to the end. Wild. It's wild. Oh, it is wild. It, it's interesting. We, we named this episode the overhaul and because yeah, every, everything <laughs> is a everything is kind of right in line with that. It's funny. Right. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, the, with the ending with the flip phones. But um, well, I guess the one I'm I'm most excited about and, and I really want this one to come true is um, Anthem. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm. If they do a overhaul on this game, I think if they do it right, it'd be a huge success. I mean, the the base game that we got when this thing launched was fantastic. I thought it was great, but it just didn't have the the content behind it to really back everything. So agreed. You know, from day one, you know, we, we saw it with the beta and w- seen so many out there of the different updates that have hit where they try to keep to their original um original plan as it were with with releases and content coming out and some of those have been success within the anthem community but not not to the level that needed and should have been there day one of anthem you know we we started out it's probably two months ago we heard whispers and rumors and uh from very credible sources saying that anthem was going to get like all we were seeing across the headlines anthem 2.0 anthem 2.0 uh anthem redo you know no confirmations and then finally casey hudson our gm released an article that confirmed they are going to be pulling back uh, stopping with the major updates that they've been doing so far, the uh, seasons, they're going to stop those and look at, um, this is a quote from the article, focusing on long-term designs of the experience, specifically working to reinvent the core gameplay loop with clear goals, motivating challenges, and progression with meaningful rewards, i.e. what the game should have had day one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, that that all sounds great and fantastic on paper. And you can say that all day long from the stage, which we got that kind of talk when they uh, when they originally launched this game. And it is it is not what they were able to deliver on. Uh, and we've you know, we've seen it a lot from different gaming companies. They they show this big 
fancy, fantastic game at a, you know, big gaming conference. And then voila, it shows up on the shelves and sometimes it's a disappointment. And unfortunately, this is one that was a disappointment. Uh, so I, re- I really do hope that what they're talking about doing, if they can focus their manpower and and pull back what they're talking about on these major updates and refocus things, then, uh, yeah, I think I think it may have a shot to actually come back to life. Yeah. And it's mind boggling that just as we're referencing Anthem right now, it sounds like we're talking about a three to four to five year old game. I know Anthem is right at one year old. Yeah, which is stupid. I mean, (laughs) it's just it's just mind boggling to to think about that where, you know, it's it is a game so many people wanted to succeed i still do i go back and listen to the anthem soundtrack and i think about the combat system that's still there and it's like i want to pick it up but there's really not a whole lot extra for me to do you know every single point that they mentioned in here reinvent the core gameplay loop clear goals motivating challenges progressing with meaningful are not there i go in i could go in and start anthem right now but it'd be purely to listen to the music and let myself I fly around and fight some things for a little bit. I'm done. Yeah. For quite a while. Right. And that's what, that's what got me addicted uh, to, to what Anthem is, but all those other pieces are missing. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it's like you order the entree and uh, it tastes good, but it was one bite. That's it. Yeah. Like it was phenomenal taste. One bite. <laughs> There's nothing there's yeah, there's there was, no much much left. Yeah, there was no dessert. There was nothing that came after it, like you said. That was it. Um well and and the original story that we got was a little choppy and a little broken for my taste. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think they I don't think they did a good enough job of kind of wrapping some of that stuff up and they just kind of left it. Which I get it. You know, broken game, not enough manpower to finish it wasn't able to put the the time and effort into actually doing what needed to be done. And uh, I I think it left a bitter taste in most people that played the game, but it does have some life. There are still people playing it and there are, I actually even went back in about two weeks ago and just hopped back in to see what it was. And it, like you said, it was kind of a one and done. You still have that, Hey, I'm able to fly and, and, and do these, you know, cool moves, but there is literally nothing past that. Um, even with some of the fixes and, and little minor bug updates that they've been doing over the last few months, there's just still not a lot of meat to the game. Yeah, I agree. And it's, they use the wording in here, um, in a couple months. Right. Um, and that's, that's really, that's really it. In a couple months, and I'd extended to let's go six months. Six months from who, as you were listening to this on release date of this podcast, if it has not gone through a complete redo or we are seeing massive gains to that extent, Anthem will be dead. 100%. Yeah, I think, uh, well, and I think the biggest disappointment for this game really came with it it had such a big hype around it and it was the new looter shooter that was going to take place for people who were looking for this new 
game and it was supposed to be replacing some other time for streamers, YouTubers, gamers alike. And it was fun to try, but they, they hopefully can, can turn this around. Uh, I hope there's enough manpower. And I, I think one of the big questions is them doing this rework on a game that was already you know, kind of laid out in a foundational style for us. There's a base game there. Does it create the create enough hype for the community to come back, create enough momentum to to help with the jobs from Bioware? You know, Bioware's yeah. not doing the greatest over the last few years with their games. They've got, you know, a little bit of a stain on them right now. So Well then they've lost some key key leadership. Oh. Um, out of Bioware now it could have been the same leadership that was causing the problem before True. but um, regarding that you can expect some talent to also leave with that as well yeah there's and to be able to pull off some things you need that key talent you know there's good there's good developers and programmers and everything out there but you really there's a certain peoples inside the yeah. group that make success happen well, and I think brand loyalty can only go so far um you know, right. with the developers, whether you're in leadership or project management or developer graphic design, whatever function you have inside that team, that brand loyalty to Bioware will only go so far when, you know, I, I know these developers don't have um, a long lead time to get this stuff turned around. So, you know, we've seen it in plenty of the corporate businesses before especially the gaming industry. It's just a hard lifestyle. It really is because they've got such a tight deadline and they push these developers to come up with some ridiculous stuff in a very short period of time. And usually the outcome is what we've seen in games like Bioware pushing out Anthem. Uh, and what we saw in E3 was much different than that game we got. And it was somebody sitting in an upper chair saying, this is your deadline. You can't go past that. Um, I'm paying you money. And this is what you're supposed to deliver on. And unfortunately, it's just not the real world. I mean, there are mm -mm. money cannot make a great game. You know, it takes the people with the talent right. and the vision and the time. And money is just the, you know, fuel. You put money into it and... That does make those gears turn, but there's also just the creative aspect of things. And just because you have a big checkbook and a budget doesn't mean that that creative aspect goes faster. Sometimes it takes time. And a lot of these gaming companies uh, don't have the time that it takes to put out a good product at their first and, and form, you know, first drop. Um, and I think that's the, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing that I'm really seeing through the gaming uh, community over probably the last 10 years is do we have amazing games nowadays? Yes, we do. But I, I think there's some quality that has really just kind of dropped because it's all this DLC. Hey, let's put out a base game and then we'll do these DLCs or expansions or we'll, we'll call it a 2.0 Anthem 2.0. We'll, we'll do this overhaul. Uh, that's just not fair to the consumer in in my mind. I would rather gaming companies push those deadlines out and actually be a realistic deadline and give us something that is good, quality, fun to play, 
um, and still making money. I'm fine with paying for it, but don't make me pay $80 for a game that you get three months worth of playtime and then it's dead. And then say you're going to rework the whole thing. To me, that, that's just yep. kind of a kick in the face. Right. Well, and then, you know, it, it's a, a double-edged sword because you got a balance of how much the game were, you know, on initial release, right, on, on how much is in the game, and then continual updating to the game. Now, sometimes games release, they're one and done, and it's a great game, and, um, you know, the, the company brings in the royalty, and they move on to the next one. But Anthem, and people will, you know, they, they just kind of hate this word, but, you know, it's a live service game. Yeah. There's going to be an online right. game. You know, in the realms, people were in originally where they're like, oh, it's going to be the Destiny killer, you know, so, 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 so forth. Um, but in those regards, you have to keep the expansions coming. Yeah. Uh, to release data and have the, the, uh, ability to the financial ability to be able to keep those rolling. And if not, you have the chops and you've already released great content. And then you'll say, okay, Hey, this is a paid expansion on the way. Here you go. Or what has been really popular with the communities across the board, gaming communities is you have a very rich in-depth, um, uh, market. Yeah in the game where people can spend their money on. I bring an example, Warframe. Uh, Warframe is free to play. That's a great model. It has a great model for a game. It's a great model. Free to play. You bring it in you, and you start off. Yes. There's a lot of, there's a lot of little, um, not necessarily walls, but certain parts of the game are slower to get through. If you haven't invested just a little bit of money, yeah, there's into definitely it. some paywalls in that uh, one. Yeah. Uh, but even with that, they make all of their money on, you know, they'll release content uh, because it's not, doesn't have a PVP aspect to it. It's all about you taking on the world. Right. You know, they, they have, you can buy Warframes basically because they'll release it and you can buy them for platinum, which is the currency you can buy with your real money. And then you can also trade platinum to other people or items that those people have. I mean, there's people that have not spent a dime on the game, but have a massive, um, kind of monop not monopoly but yeah, just um financial system going where they're they've made so much platinum from other people in game because they'll go out and they'll farm stuff and go and sell it uh, on the trading system yeah. and make all their you know platinum there essentially making themselves money um so that there's that uh bringing in something like that where you keep the continual rolling out of content to be free to having a very rich and depth market or some way that they can keep bringing in cash to be able to support those free updates. Uh, Destiny had a great example of something that was brought in as a cosmetic and then allowed the, the money from that cosmetic, there was such a, a, a love for it, that the money for it funded entire free release of the next special missions that hit. I think that happened to be the outbreak Outbreak Prime. No, it was the, it was, yeah, it was the cosmetics for the Whisper right. gun that you can find in the game that then funded completely, or as much as the articles talked about, the Outbreak Prime, which was another exotic hard mission to come across. It was, but that, 
But again, free content to everybody. Yeah, but that, like you said, that brings up a good example is, you know, you get these games like a, like a Destiny, large, massive game. It's got the PvE, it's got the PvP, it's got kind of that uh, space travel MMO grindy piece to it. Anthem, it's another good example of a game that, you know, like you said, they're going to have to create a, a way for some finances because everybody that has already paid money for this game is not going to go reinvest money for something that they never got in the first place. So right. I think that's Bioware's biggest challenge is just like Warframe, it's an amazing game. It's fun. Like you said, it's free to play. And they've got a very creative marketing system of, of how to make money. They've done it for a mm -hmm. very long time and they've become a very successful company. Destiny is another one. You know, we saw them break away from their big checkbook company, which was Activision. They took over their own company again. They're back to being them. And they had to come up with some creative ways of making some in-game currency and, and funding those things. They've done a good job with it. But you're always going to have the naysayers, the complainers, the already paid for this, just everything that happens from now on should be free. That same mentality means that I, I can walk down to the local car shop, buy a car, and gas should be free for the rest of my life. That's the same mentality that you're telling me that you don't want to pay for some DLC content that comes out for game. This, that, that mindset just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, well, and that's what, that's what to bring... If, let's say, they do, they, they nail on all parts of what Anthem should have in the game, and it just clicks really well and it, it's just phenomenal yeah you can you can release it and word of mouth will spread for it but to really bring back those that have already paid for it you got to release it free absolutely free to those that are already yep. paid and yes go ahead and have it you know full price or close to full price for those that are coming in granted you know because it's, it's you know basically new content depending on how much they rework uh so yeah those getting into it have to pay for it but that also you know this is going to be, you know, let's say it's the, let's say they go the route of No Man's Sky update, right? Complete rework of a lot right. of things where um, you got to bring in those to, to allow the money to come in quickly and people get, um, get going with it. You got to bring in those um, content creators that will talk. Yes, there's, there's several YouTubers out there, big YouTubers that cover Anthem. And that's kind of all they cover. Yeah. And props to them for keeping with it. Props to them uh, for keeping up with the content, covering all the updates. Yeah, they've done a good job with it, um, for sure. I think one is called This Is Anthem. I'm going to call ahead and call or Anthem News. I think there's several out there. Uh, but to bring those in and allow the content to continue to flow, uh, they got to go that yeah. route. They have to for, for it to be reborn and to grow uh you know as part of company that way they can start making money off of it right yeah well and you made a good point with the whole youtubers and streamers out there i mean we live in a digital age of everything and these gaming companies uh you know as much money as they make off of these games you know the the, the twitch community the mixer community the youtube community they're the ones that are marketing this game to the actual consumer that is down playing this thing. And, 
you know, it's not like the 80s and 90s with the Super Nintendo and the Sega and the Dreamcast, GameCube. And, you know, we're talking bigger expanse, you know, as far as the games, the amount of game titles that we have today in just general, whether they're triple A titles like an Anthem or a Destiny or, you know, they're down to like a little indie title. A lot of that community comes down to when somebody finds this game, they love it, they 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 stream it, they videos on it, they they push content on it, and and that truly just helps these gaming companies even more with their marketing. And then you have things happen like what Anthem did is people hopped in it as soon as the game came out. What happened with you know the Twitch channels and Anthem was one of the top dogs as soon as the game came out. Because the Twitch streamers mm-hmm. were pushing that content. They were playing it day by day, and it was an amazing game. And what happened after they finished the story? There was nothing left. And all of that, all of that hype, all of the marketing, all of that chatter, and it just it completely died off. And I think that is a dangerous place for a lot of these big companies because they 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 talk a lot of big talk. They, they say things about focusing their teams and they say things about pushing out this great content, but really are they, or are they just giving us a little bit so that, you know, we can go watch these Twitch streamers and YouTube streamers and Mixer and all of these different platforms, you know, Destiny being the game that it is, has been successful over seven years now. Close to it, yeah. Yeah, almost almost seven years. Uh, that's a that's a big staple in today's society as far as the digital age goes of gaming. Um, Minecraft is another one. The the longevity of these games is crucial to their success. And as much as Anthem, you know, wanted to be this big destiny killer and triple A title, which it could have been. Hopefully this rework does it. You know, you, you mentioned No Man's Sky. There's a game that had massive hype and everybody wanted a part of it. And when it released, it was not what the community wanted. So what did the company do? They reworked most of the game and, and they relaunched a game that was actually playable and they, they actually made something that was pretty fun. So it, it's not impossible, but it is hard. agree on all those points um and, and just to clarify the one person i was calling out is your anthem oh um he does yes. great uh great continual anthem videos about new stuff coming out look back um and you know people people are interested are still interested in anthem because i'm looking at um you know they're doing recap videos for anthem right now and multitude of the videos have 150,000 250,000 500,000 views still talking about anthem so people want to play it that's crazy so it it's gonna see if this continues on because there's gonna be a lull bioware confirmed it in their article they're gonna pull back from the season so we're gonna see a, a great lull happen um with anthem um there's actually a joke going on around right now because apparently anthem has left their christmas lights on a little bit too long <laughs> the christmas decoration it's awesome <laughs> yes I, that's one thing i did see oh, yeah, I, when I hopped back in, uh, it was 
probably the second or third week of January and I was sitting and we, we launched it here in the living room and my kids looked at me and said, Hey dad, um, is there something that needs to update on this game? Cause there's still Christmas lights hanging around and it's January. <laughs> I said, well, I don't know. Maybe they forgot about them. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, it, uh, we'll see what happens, you know, hopefully they'll, um, update that, but then also there's going to be a lull. Yeah. There's going to be a lull between now and whatever update they plan on doing. I'm going to give them six months before they start showing good stuff. You know, either a, you release it six months from now or B we're at a point where people are like, Whoa, this is actual gameplay. This is stuff that's actually going to be in the right. game. They're not ready to package it and put it together, but Oh yes, we're ready. Neil. Yes. We were teased by that one video that showed a gameplay of Anthem. Um, you know, which apparently that was not even, it was barely even engine gameplay. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, the one that we saw at E3 for Anthem that got us really right. hyped up. But, but yeah, uh, we'll see. People want to play it and, uh, we'll see if it, uh, needs to go ahead and just, carve in a tombstone for it or we'll see a rebirth well following those games like no man's sky and uh i had one other one on top of my head that's a big one compared to that uh, i don't remember i'm trying to think of anything that came out yep. that was a rework but uh no man's no man's sky is the only thing that comes to mind right now also because everybody's comparing it to will this be another no man's yeah. sky which is which is not a good category to be in <laughs> no, it's not. You are in a deep yeah. hole if if you're saying that. And they pulled it off. We shall see if Anthem can do it as well. Well, I have uh, I have you know very few hopes, but we'll see. Hopefully, they do it because I would uh, I would like to see what they come up with. It's always, I just want to go. I I want to play a game where I can listen to that type. Of genre of music that they picked and late rolled out. For oh, Anthem. that was ridiculous! The soundtrack, the soundtrack oh, for the game was amazing. Oh, so yeah. good, so good. That soundtrack was, um, was definitely amazing. And, and that's one of the things that still keeps me to it. And, you know, I'll go back and I'll listen to that soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please don't change that. Yeah. Change what needs to be changed, but let me play a game that has that soundtrack yeah, in it. Definitely. You know we. Uh, Said it. We we titled this whole thing the overhaul. So we talked anthem. Uh, now we're getting ready to move into a movie topic that I was very skeptical of, and I think you were outright hateful. Oh, of. I was I was kind of bitter when I first <laughs> saw the preview of this movie, and uh, that would be the Sonic the Hedgehog film that just recently came out. So before we before we get into it, let's uh, let's do a little rewind back to months and months and months ago. There was a little teaser trailer that came out with this horrific, god awful, whoever the designer was needs to have a slap in the face of Sonic made. I mean, Sonic's eyes were were shaped wrong. He had weird, hairy arms and legs that were fleshly colored. And then he had these white human teeth. An abomination when it comes to 
the Sega version of Sonic. So I'm pretty sure every (laughs) fan out there would agree with that. But I do have to say the entire community coming together and basically questioning like what in the world did you guys just do to this beloved character that we that we played when we were kids they stepped back and and they reworked this entire cgi design of what sonic looked like and gave something back to the community that i was really impressed with they did a they did a fantastic job with what sonic looked like in the final product so what you're saying, it wasn't just one big great conspiracy that they would draw up at least attention to the movie by purposely releasing a bad CGI trailer? I'm not saying anything at this point. I plead the fifth <laughs> because I'm still trying not to give it as much credit as that I liked it. Oh, oops, my tinfoil hat's yes. gone. Yeah, take your Sorry. tinfoil hat off. Um, uh, so this is, this is uh, uh, basically I wrote down a lot more positives on the movie than I did negatives, which I'm quite shocked. I thought you were still going to come out of it with a couple negatives. I mean, I had my hopes because even so, so just give you guys that are listening background on this. We were thinking of topics for this podcast. I was like, Oh, Hey, I can't remember who I'm pretty sure I brought it up. Cause like, how about we go and review Sonic? Yeah. And all, all I get back from detached was a, Ugh. <laughs> that's, that's all i got <laughs> I, i'm pretty sure there was an emoji uh face in there and there was some yeah, there was exactly emoji like uh he kind of you know stared me down like really some disgusted really we're gonna do some that disgusted eye rolled <laughs> gifts in there as well yeah uh, i was i was not looking forward to watching it at all but it uh it actually kind of surprised me it was it was definitely good it did have its flaws and its faults. Uh, so here's some of my positives that I gave for the film. I will give you my very first positive is that I was a Sega kid. I grew up, you know, in the 80s uh, and I played the Sonic games. They were probably one of my top favorite games of all time. Um, so with that being said, playing the games and, and, and seeing what uh, they had come out with, I had little hope for this movie. But uh, I can say it's actually pretty darn good. It uh, it does have, like I said, it's got some flaws and it is definitely oriented towards the kids. There's not really a lot of even adult humor. There's a little bit, but not a lot. Um, So if you grew up in the 80s and the 90s and you know Sonic from that time area, they did an okay job of bringing Sonic back to life. Um, but what they what they really did was they kind of set themselves up for a film franchise. And you can definitely tell that this is the very first movie in that film franchise. Um, so. Did they do some good things? Yeah, I think they did a fantastic job on the cast. Um, good job, Jim Carrey. You guys didn't know Jim Carrey is uh, Dr. Robotnik. Uh, and I have to say he was my favorite character out of the entire movie. He really was. See, I agree. There was, you can definitely pick out the Jim Carrey. Like, you know, he, he definitely didn't change or go too far into a very serious, what we've been used to Dr. Robotnik across the 
um, animated Sonics that we've watched and the games we played, etc. Oh, definitely not. This was this was like straight on a much more crazy. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put it as as like a intellectually ingenious level craziness um, about Robotnik, which oddly fit. Yeah, I'm not going to say who's my favorite character because the actor that played Sonic. Ben Schwartz. Oh, Ben um, is now in. Yeah, Ben did a fantastic Sonic. job at, at, at Sonic, hands down. Best best person they could have picked for Sonic. Uh, the thing that I think really made Jim Carrey, Carrey's character stand out to me is because it he he went back to the old '90s Jim Carrey that we kind of knew. Um, that really just over the top personality they had in in say a movie like the mask when the mask first came out it was just way over the top and that's really what jim character's character kind of you you mentioned it this crazed doctor and that's really what jim carrey kind of reminded me of in the movie was the mask but with a weird mustache and you know he botanic so yeah i think I think his character was probably, you know, my favorite out of the bunch. Uh, there were still some memorable people. You know, James Marsden's character was great. Um, the sheriff, you know, Tom yep. uh, played a played a key role in the in the whole kind of setup of the, the comedy and just kind of played that kind of in between from Sonic and, you know, Dr. Robotnik. So it was it was a good laid out movie. The, the other positives is, like I said, they got Sonic right. They they actually spent the money. They reworked him. They even went back and kind of pulled in some of those little 80s and 90s nostalgic vibes from the video game. There's some classic sounds in there. There are things that we grew up with from playing the games that that they even put into the movie just to just to catch the older generation's attention but i think they also did a good job introducing the new generation who maybe have never played the sega genesis version of sonic they now have this great cartoon that is oriented towards this new generation of kids mhm agreed those are my positives for the film uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna time in before we get to our negatives. Um, the the nostalgia in this for any for any of those that have kept up with Sonic and, and know the little callbacks here and there, and, and talking about um, and just the different aspects. Uh, which I have to go back and look to see if rings in any version of Sonic did teleportation, which is not a spoiler. You see this in the trailers, um, but apparently they can create portals. So I got to see if that was just an adaptation to the movie. If so, hey, it worked. Don't remember if it did or not, because uh, I didn't play all of the Sonic games later on in, in its franchise. I played the early ones, mm-hmm. though, and I don't remember. I don't remember the rings having a teleportation piece, but maybe some. Oddly, I'm, I'm, I think there was something in Sonic CD. That may have done something like that, that had some type of system. That like would that. be really cool. But. One of the coolest callbacks, um, if, if you played any of the Sonic games, you know that, you know, he collects coins as he goes throughout the level. And if he gets damaged in any way, those coins immediately leave him. He drops those yeah. coins. <laughs> yes, you can go back and try to pick them up, but you usually end up losing a lot. And towards the end of the movie, when he is carrying the, the pouch 
Um, this was great. With him, every time he got hit really hard, <laughs> it went everywhere. I didn't realize it until I was walking. I was like, oh, I see what you did there. Very <laughs> it, was, nice. it was a really good callback. And as soon as as soon yep. as I saw that, so I was watching a Kevin Hart skit and he was talking about um, seeing a guy get hit so hard that change done flew out his pocket. As soon as I saw this, you know, these gold coins fly out of Sonic's pocket, all I could hear was Kevin Hart in the background on the stage. And man, I saw this dude get hit so hard. Chant 35 cent done fall out of his pocket. <laughs> That's all I could hear. That's all I could hear. That's all I could hear. But uh, yeah, great, uh, great job on on the nostalgia, kind of bringing that that back in. Yep. Yeah. Um, every every aspect of it, you know, we don't see a fully born evil Robotnik until the very end of the movie. It's yeah. a good call um, out. And even then, you know, it definitely sets it up of of the Dr. Robotnik, especially from the visuals, are like, all right, here he is. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, now, as you saw in the trailers, bald head, long extended mustache. He's got those goggles that match up to the. Uh, the what we've known to, of him so far, but uh, that and uh, definitely stick for after the credits. Yes. So. We'll not we will not drop any spoilers for this, but yes, definitely stick after the credits if you've not seen it. Yep. Um, let's see. Agree on your point. No. Um, there is. Comparing it to the last game to. I, I guess you could say. Card game I hit it first, but then really game um, Pokemon. Yeah. Detective Pikachu, yep. which fantastic movie uh, for its rendition of what how they played out the Pokemon world, but in real life. Uh, it definitely didn't have much of the curveballs that we expect and, you know, keep us on the edge of our seats. It was like, like you, you know, just a good movie. Yeah. Right. You, you, yes, it's predictable. Can absolutely agree with that point. But even to that point, there's a lot of great callbacks and um, how they execute it is really good. Yeah, so absolutely. I, I tell people if you if you take out the predictiveness of the movie. It is on level with how they executed and brought. Um, you know, kept it. The adaptation wasn't too wild, kept it right in line with what was seen in Detective Pikachu. And if you hit the hated Detective Pikachu, well, so, okay, you sorry. probably won't like this film at all. <laughs> but I liked Detective Pikachu for the most part for what it was. And uh, I do have to say that uh, having Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu was a definite plus for that movie. So uh, definitely a definitely a good pick. And even on this side of things. Or for Sonic, how they're setting the things up. In the movie, we got to see Dr. Robotnik and kind of his early stages of, of menacing evil. So I think they overall did a good job. The three big points that I would say were a negative for me is one, just the whole overall story seemed like one big act. There was 
there was not a lot of lore per se, quote unquote. There was not a lot of side stories that really built within the movie. And it kind of drug on a little bit. Um, but I also understand that this is their very first movie they're doing this. So they're building the two main characters. They're building Sonic and his relationships. And they're also building Dr. Robotnik. You know, like you said, that what we saw in the very early parts of the movie was kind of this crazy doctor in the end. We're starting to see a little bit more of this evil Dr. Robotnik. So it's not even really a negative. It's just more of a, my preference would have been to see a little bit more story development versus some of the, we're going to stay on this one point for so long in the movie. Um, my big gripe was I didn't like how Tom had to end in the movie that uh, is his story I think should have continued on but that's just me um, and then I've already well I kind of feel like it will though well I I, I don't know uh, I mean we'll see I think James I think James Marsden was a perfect character for that fit so I hope they bring him back the the mesh and the and the, the just the whole symmetry that the actor had together with the rest of the crew was great. So I hope they, oh, they do bring him back. I can say one of the kind of wasted actor talents that we saw for a blip in the movie, and then he was like, I don't think he was ever seen again. Was Neil McDonough? <laughs> yeah, McDonough, McDonough, yeah, McDonough. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's an amazing actor. He is. and we see him for just a blip and done. Albeit the character that he played, that's all that was needed. But the actor that they chose for it. Um, overkill. I feel did a disservice. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, definite overkill. It was like hiring Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> to play a bodyguard, right? For the five seconds yeah, of I want movie. you, I want you to come play this <laughs> extra, but uh, you used to be Iron Man. Yeah, definitely overkill. So, uh, and then really, my last point, and this wasn't even really a, a point, is uh, like I said, I loved Jim Carrey's performance. I think I think overall he to me stole the the show. He he really just kind of outdid himself in that performance for me. But I think, like I said, to me it felt like the mask and that old '90s Jim Carrey that we used to see back in Chura days. And the mask had that humor level to him almost, and just the really big personality. And at times it overpowered the rest of the crew. Uh, that sometimes can be a downfall for a movie, but I, but I understand why they're doing it. And where they're... Yep. Yep. Definitely. Um, a lot of good other actors in there, but yeah, we got the trifecta of the three. I, I think Tom, uh, James Martin and also Tom in the movie will have a continual role in it because you know, they're, He's now all, they're all a family, yeah. right? Um, they're all connected together now. They're looking out for each other at the end of the movie. And things are even going to happen that he's going to have to be continually there. So I don't, um, I see him as if any of you out there watched Sonic X growing up, like I did. Um, there was this constant young boy that connected with Sonic was always there for him. And, you know, it was out of his garage that um, Tail, Sonic, and team worked on a lot of their stuff. I even think his grandpa was a scientist or anything like that. But 
you know, it provided that human to, to hedgehog relationship. And I see Tom being that person continually. Um, how he's con- going to help him if the evil of um, Eggman returns, I don't know. We'll see. He did help him right at the end. It's true. But. That is true. So. Um, my negatives for the movie were this is a, you know, however you see it is, yes, it's a predict, predictable movie. You kind of know how it's going to end about halfway through it. You see, you can see the writing on the wall. Um, that's about it. I think they could have, I think the uh, interaction between human and CGI was a little off in some scenes. Um, and I think that's because of the rework. So give credits to that. There was actually a rework. Because uh, I've seen in, you know, let's say some of the Marvel movies, the CGI integration to, you know, who mean actors is phenomenal. You can't tell that one is CGI and one is yeah, not. The, the technology nowadays oh. is amazing, for sure. Yeah. So besides that, I, um, I didn't see any real negatives, uh, over the top negatives, I should say with the movie. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll watch it in. I'll, I'll pick it up on, on Blu-ray when it comes out. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And I recommend it to any that hasn't seen it. Absolutely. Um, if you're even slightly a fan of Sonic. Yeah. Or just want to watch it. Just a, a good, a good movie. Yeah. To watch it was well worth it. Um, it's not something that I would watch all the time, but I, I will definitely end up getting it, uh, to have in the collection for sure. But with that, now done Anthem, Sonic, and um, another that I don't even know if I want to call this an overhaul, it, but it, it's like a step backwards Me. to some people. Um, well, it, so it's, yeah, it's nostalgic for us older people, and it seems like a step backward, <laughs> ba- backwards. <laughs> backwards backwards for the newer generation <laughs> so yeah um this is an interesting interesting topic because you know we're talking about the flip phones um that mm-hmm. we had so one of the very first phones that i ever had it wasn't a flip phone but it had we well, i actually called it the little nokia ninja because it had the little push button on the side and the whole front of the face of the phone would would shoot down and it would uh, reveal all the numbers that was my first cell phone well actually that was my second cell phone my first cell phone was a zach morris cell phone you know i i actually had to you know lifted his weights and it was five pounds I had an antenna that was about 32 feet long it was ridiculous that was my first cell phone and then i got this little push button nokia phone and then kind of the the flip phones were starting to come out and i don't remember the year of when when those really became popular but uh that's what we're talking about it's kind of the reinsurgence of these new old flip phones yeah and and to be clear when we say flip phones we're specifically targeting and talking about those of the touchscreen um family yeah. because you know flip phones have not 
they have not completely gone extinct. They are still out there for those that, you know, they just want a phone to place a call or, t- or text, and that's all they need. But we're talking about smartphones, touchscreens, yeah, that are going flip phones, um, which we, you know, it was not even on anybody's radar to do something like this. And then um, rumors were going out. We were seeing some patents happen. All of a sudden, Samsung goes, hey, Samsung Fold. We're like, what? Yeah. You, <laughs> you, you just created a phone to answer a problem that didn't exist. Right. Well, to me, this, these are novelty items. They really are to me. Well, it's just, I think, I think things like Samsung Fold, fantastic technology. But to me, it's just a novelty item. Well, and that, and then Samsung, if you go back, you always see them as being, they'll bring out something to be the first to market um, <laughs> yeah. to grab that title, even. And usually it is a big dumpster fire of whatever it is. People most times end up forgetting about yeah. it. And, um, but during the time, they're the butt of the jokes. And the Samsung Fold was the butt of the joke <laughs> because of some. Some areas where it wasn't exactly meeting up to standard on stress testing, and uh, one story is they, as part of the design, it had a film over the front of the phone when fully open because this thing sat closed like and looked like a normal phone, but it opened side to side and was about the size of a small tablet. Um, so it it, it opened uh, down the horizontal axis, so left to right there was a film on there that people thought was some type of protective coating as part of just manufacturers, you know, like the screen you peel off some computer parts or or anything like that. Uh, It was not, (laughs) people were trying to peel it off and uh, it was uh, definitely part of the function of the phone because it left behind some very heavy duty adhesive. So a lot of those testers out there for the fold were reporting that and they fixed that. I think the final version of it, I think so. But Um, this Stupid cost oh, for it. Yeah, the, the, it came out and it was like astronomical of how expensive this thing was. But mm-hmm. it kind of hit the market and everybody was like, really? What what in the world is this thing? I just remember watching uh, the testers that are on YouTube. You know, they, they test this technology that comes out and, and you get to see this stuff. And I don't know, some, especially the Samsung Fold when it first came out, it looked cheap. And I, I think it's because we hadn't, I had never seen it before. We had never seen it before as far as, you know, the people, uh, a phone that opened and closed, like you said, from the left to the right. It just, it was one of those, my brain just did not understand the concept of why they did it. To me, I don't need a phone that folds in half from side to side. It just does it function functionally. It doesn't do anything for me. So. I never really got onto the whole train of, hey, this is new technology. I'm all for new technology and pushing things forward, but this just seemed like a useless paperweight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it was it was a phone that answered a problem that didn't yeah, it exist. Never, it was never even an issue. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that one was the first one to hit. And then right behind it, Something came back from the dead <laughs> as part yeah. of the same genre. Yeah. 
Motorola Razor. Which was an amazing phone. The original Motorola Razor was a really, really good phone. It was. I love that thing. Yeah. I used to have one. Oh, it was like, it was the bee's knees if you had a oh, Motorola you, Razor. Phone. You were the shiznit back then. Like, yeah, <laughs> you, you guys listen. You were top dog if you had the Razor. And here I was over here with my little, you know, cheapo. I can't remember the brand that I had at the time. Some white flip phone that yeah. I had just enough so I could have a phone. It's probably been but, a while since you guys have heard the term shiznit as well. Shiznit or bee's, the bees knees. knees. Yes. Yep. Uh, I do. I do remember I had a black. Uh, it was like a gunmetal finish Motorola razor. It was kind of that aluminum metal finish that it, that came out. So I had the gunmetal kind of gray or black and my wife had the pink one. And let me tell you, it was like the best phone ever. In fact, I'm pretty sure somewhere in one of our storage bins, we still have them laying around. Wow. Yeah. You go in a museum. I actually still have my very first um, cell phone, the old Zach Morris paperweight. Wow. Let me tell you, when I say brick, I'm talking straight up old school Nokia brick. This sucker truly <laughs> weighs like three and a half pounds. It is dumb. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I may have some of my originals, but. What's cool about what they've done, at least on aesthetic wise, is this particular version of Razer looks on the outside just like yeah. uh, the Razer did of yeah. old. Uh, all, all the way up to this last version, it's got a little um, little bit at the bottom where you close the lid and lines up. But when you open it, it is a full screen touchscreen. That's wild. Um, apparently, it's also pretty popular for those that can afford the fort. $1,400 cost of the device. $1,400. So another one of those where it's like, Let, let's just, another one of those where it's like, yeah, you just, uh, gotta be, that's a chunk mm-hmm. of chains. <laughs> so let's just put that in a little bit of perspective. So $1,400 is $300 more than I paid for my very first car. Now that's not saying much. My first car was a hunk of junk. It really was. But $1,400 for a phone. I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. $1,400. You can buy some pretty decent, cheap laptops for $1,400. $1,400 will get you five or six console systems. In yeah. Your house. So just kind of putting those things together uh, for a novelty item that looks like an old school phone. <laughs> but then you open it up and it looks like any other touchscreen new age phone. Mm-hmm. That is a hard concept for my brain to really wrap around. Uh, that and taking glass and making it flexible, this does not, it does not compute in my brain. That is so hard for my brain to wrap around. Seeing these, what? Seeing these phones fold, and, and I know some of them aren't glass and some of them are. Yeah. Some of them are They're the technology and I'm like specifically, we're going to call out our next phone, which is the um, galaxy Z flip. Yeah. Cause uh, Samsung wanted to come out with an actual good uh, folding or flipping phone. Yeah, the Samsung fold <laughs> was not it. That was not it. Uh, it was stupid expensive and um, 
there was just not enough want for it. But then they came out and announced during the big conferences, Galaxy Z Flip. Um, and everybody went wild. Interface is, is like a combo of plastic with uh, non-binding glass built into it. Whereas, yeah. you know, I've seen people, I saw a guy take it apart and the glass is not solidified where he was, he was able to scrape the glass right. off this like finite layer on there. It's pretty cool. The technology to be able to do something like that. Like you said, my, my touchable screen is able to fold. <laughs> yeah. And, and not break what in the world, and not break and not yeah. break. I've watched, yep. a, especially on things like the Motorola razor. Um, I've watched some of the stress tests that they did and they, they had a, a close up view. So we're talking 4k footage, close up view of, of this phone bending back and forth and how that inside curvature at the very, very tip of the folding point actually worked. And I mean, we're talking millimeters of this thing and there's no snappage, there's no creases, there's no kinks. And when they unfold it, it's just this perfectly smooth piece of technology that you can touch and play games on and email and do all the things that you can on a regular phone. Uh, Mind boggling really is. Yeah. Well, and you know, the razor has its, niche you know people go out and, and and buy it but i think honestly the appeal of if this genre of phone continues is what we see in the galaxy z flip um and honestly i was sitting here thinking about it uh a the downside of current smartphones is they tend to take up quite a bit of space like you can't just easily fit them in your pocket anymore um you drop them and usually in my luck, they'll land directly on their screen. That's what's happened to mine just recently, actually. Yep. <laughs> I, I have I have had this thing for a long time, and I went to slide it into my pocket and thought it was in my pocket because I, I felt the, the pocket and my finger was in my pocket, not the phone. And when I let go, the phone was on the outside of the pocket. And sure enough, it dropped right down the side of my leg and hit the very corner of that glass but it didn't shatter the front glass. It actually shattered um, down the corner and through the side of the back of the phone. So I got lucky. Oh yeah. I got lucky. Still usable, but uh, I do catch my finger on this, uh, on this side. That's my, that's my bad thing about, uh, you know, these new phones is they've got this glass in here. Conspiracy theory. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a bane of smartphone uses existence yes. to drop it on that screen. That's, Unless you have, you know, a massive case, you know, Otterbotter case and extra screen on it that you can peel off and replace anytime you want. But the Z Flip, just looking at it, and this is kind of what has appealed me to it, is, you know, it hides the entirety of the screen in the clamshell. Um, so when it's folded down, and it folds up like any flip phone. Uh, so you can drop it, and it, you're going to damage the outside. Right. You know, that's never been a problem but then you'd have a fresh touchscreen every single time, pending it doesn't hit and flip open and then, you know, fall some more, uh, which no, my luck, it probably would. Uh, and then, you know, it's impressive stats on it too, uh, for being little phone. Um, I didn't know it, but for them to actually get it to work, they have a dual battery system. in it. One in the top, one in the bottom. Amazing how small the technology is. 
I mean, just mm-hmm. to ha- just to be able to have a battery that can power up. I mean, these devices are, you know, hundreds of times more powerful than some of the early supercomputers ever were. Just the the amount of technology that fits inside these is a modern day miracle. Yeah, I mean, the we're looking at um, a little over three thousand milliamp, which is equivalent to what we have in our phones right now for, you know, uh, life of the phone. Yeah. And it has those that match modern, um, not some of the like S twenties that were announced, uh, from Samsung, but very, very good stats on the phone. Um, and even in the taking apart, some of the, the technology that was in use, it's like, Oh, this is the camera. And I swear that thing was no bigger than, um, uh, he could barely fit it between his fingers, you know, and not crush it. It was like this, very neat stuff in it. Well, I, I kind of loss of words on this where we're at with smartphones now. Yeah, I guess they're like, okay, what else could we do? Okay, we continually increase the the camera. Oh, now we're up to four cameras on the back of our phone for good pictures. <laughs> um, what else can we how, do? How and, ridiculous you know, can we be? <laughs> uh. I think that the Z flip in particular and also the razor would be more popular than they are right now. And maybe, maybe next generation, if, if, uh, if the flip phones continue, we're going to, you know, see gen, gen twos, gen threes, but the technology that is used in them to bring that price point down to even at or lower than the S twenties that are coming out or the iPhone. 11s or, or whatever they're at now um nope I, I see them possibly get popular because of the aspect and this is just me of having a phone that could be more easily stored somewhere and two when i drop that blast thing on concrete <laughs> i'm going to damage the outside <laughs> and not that touch yep. screen yeah i think i think you've got a good point um with you know, with the tech and how expensive it is. Uh, that's, that's kind of a deterrent for me. I don't want to, I don't want to pay for something that's a novelty item. Like you said, that, right. you know, especially a $1,400 novelty, $1,400 novelty item that I accidentally miss my pocket. And it now becomes a $1,400 broken glass piece of trash paperweight. And I, I don't know. To me, it's not it's not enough, uh, you know, reward for the risk there. And mm-hmm. uh, it's this, you know, functional technology. It's fantastic what we're doing, but hopefully, the technology that they push forward isn't just because of the race. You know, Apple and Samsung have been in a big race for a lot of years, and companies like Nokia just kind of went off the wayside. I mean, there's only just a handful of big tech companies that are pushing phones out and they're kind of all in that big race right now. So to me, this just seems like one of those new age fads will, you know, five years down the road, we'll, we'll look at things and go, you remember when this company came out with these crazy flip phones? I, it's, it's just kind of the natural thing that happens. So I'm curious to see what they do with it though. 
I do like your point about if I was to drop a phone like the, the Samsung Flip or the Z Flip, Galaxy Z Flip, and potentially damaging the outside of it, but the inside of it would be perfectly fine. You, you make a good point there. Uh, could that be a good catch for people that want a functional phone? It's small because we are getting into the you know newer generation of we for whatever reason we went into this whole time era of let's build the biggest freaking possible screen we can um, to have on our cell phones. You know, let me stick this thing in my pocket that's nine and a half inches wide and looks like a tablet. I didn't get that. I don't understand why people wanted the giant phones. It's like let me carry around this widescreen TV uh, for my tele for my telephone. And then uh, right now we're getting into the smaller ones and even more compact stuff like the uh, flip phones. And that shrinks the size mm-hmm. down even more. So I don't know. They've got it's got its pluses, got its minuses. Uh, the fourteen hundred dollar price point to me, though, is uh, the big deterrent. Oof. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Especially for something you're like, oh, hey, you fit in the palm of my hand. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I see it definitely dropping in price as with any new the brand. We hit, you know, you could say this is all just Gen 1 stuff, but we hit Gen 2, Gen 3, uh, seeing a price point drop in those, especially if they're not rocking the same processor, RAM count, camera quality as their cousins, the normal smartphones that are coming out, like, the you know, the S20s right. um, or the next iPhones. Uh, I'd be, I, that, that's one area that I want to see if Apple goes that way. Maybe Apple releases a flip phone and um i bet you that one out of the gate will be like spot on what a flip phone needs to be they so far have you know they've they're solid product apple they always apple are. makes a good product uh, i i yeah. i absolutely give it to their quality i just never have been a fan of of the functions they do their operating system oh but yeah, I agreed on that. Hands point. down, they make a solid, solid piece of tech. Really do. Yep. Yep. They're never they're not usually one to come to the market first. Um, I think even with the iPhone. Maybe they weren't the first. They had definitely hit the, you know, hit the, the perfect phone when it first hit. But then along the way, you know, people have been the first market like Sam, like I said, Samsung likes to do that. <laughs> but then iPhone will come out and if it you know, internally, if they see it's going to work well, they uh, they'll release a fantastic product. Look at what they did with the the earbuds. Yeah, right. They weren't they weren't the first ones to do earbuds or you know anything like that, but they perfected it. Yeah, they 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 definitely made a really nice piece of tech with those. Yep. So I mean, that's an example right there, and you can go back and see multiples. But I would be curious if they enter into this fray, and then the um, if we get later generations of it and i sure hope that they will drop in price compared to yeah uh, others well and i mean we've seen it with other technologies is you know some of this fad tech that comes out you'll have you know six months to a year couple of years worth of you know new generations of it that come out and they just don't have the buy-in from the communities that that price point always stays fairly high um and then you've also got the flip point of that is You've got amazing tech that maybe has a few issues here and there. Samsung is is that way. They make a good product, but they've had their bumps along the way. And 
they've got a massive following of people. Uh, yeah, their price point, is it manageable? Sure, it is. But it really hasn't dropped a whole lot throughout the years. It's not, you don't see a big price increase um, like, we, like we are with these flip phones uh, with some of their stuff. They, they've just kind of stayed, you know, in their lane all throughout these years. Same with iPhone. Uh, the Apple, Apple products have never really been on the cheap side, but they've not really been on the overly expensive side either. We'll, we'll see. Um, if three in the market, uh, I would expect, I think there's been other off brands that have attempted to release their own um, or are already on the market for this. But uh, yeah, interesting turn of technology events regarding oh. smartphones right there. Great technology race 2020. Yes. It's cool. Well, I think we picked out a uh, very genuinely good name for this uh, episode called the Overhaul. Overhaul. Good stuff. And uh, with that, I think it is time to wrap the show up for this evening. So we want to say thank you to everybody who has joined us. We uh, absolutely have enjoyed the new season. We've got a lot of stuff planned for this year. So just thank you for hanging out with us. Really appreciate you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we're going to say this every episode, but we're just a couple geeks that like to talk about well, all things geekery. Um, and it is, uh, we greatly appreciate the support of, of listening, of the feedback, uh, all of it. Uh, it is, it is always welcome and always looked after. Um, so, and if you guys did enjoy this episode, be sure to subscribe to the all things geekery podcast with having your favorite podcasting apps and drop us a review on iTunes or Spotify as those greatly help the channel grow. Yeah, and you guys can also find us out on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at X detached X Victus. You can find him out there at Victus ATG. And you can also find our ATG Twitter account at the ATG cast. You can always shoot us questions and uh, just do your daily interactions with us out there on Twitter. We always love uh, just seeing what you guys are doing, hanging out with you guys. And then uh, you can also subscribe to us over on iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, Spotify. Go check us out. Uh, like Victus said, those reviews, likes, you just being here listening helps the show grow. So with that, Victus also spends a lot of time streaming on his Twitch channel. Definitely yep. one thing that he has been growing, and I'll let him talk about that for just a minute. Yep. I, uh, if I'm at home and not traveling for work, uh, I will be streaming and am streaming Monday through Friday, 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can check me out over on twitch.tv TV forward slash VictusATG and definitely hang out. I'm a variety streamer currently playing through games like Minecraft, Warframe, uh, probably will be starting Monster Hunter, played some Destiny, uh, any of those. And of course, RPGs will definitely be in the mix. Big nerd. Absolutely. Big nerd. And with that, that wraps up this podcast, guys. So as always, you guys stay awesome and we will see you all in the next episode. <laughs>